Welcome, friends, to the Twitch of the Death Nerve Happy Hour. I am Charles, and I am joined, as always, by the brilliant Sam Deegan and the rough-and-tumble John Dizwaner. Yeah, what are you doing? Since when do you introduce yeah, us? what is this? <laughs> it's the happy hour, man. We're fucking, you know, you can say whatever you want, you know? Uh, and on today's happy hour episode, we just got back from the movies a few nights ago. We got around to seeing the brand new David Cronenberg film, Crimes of the Future. So we figured we would uh, spend some time chatting about that, but I, I realize not everyone has seen it. It's not playing in every every movie theater, so we'll we'll try to hold that conversation off for a little while and you know have a loose, broad conversation about the. Uh, Put it in the back half, so if like somebody hasn't seen it yet, they can they can. And turn we'll off we'll that. warn you before we get into spoiler territory. We're not there yet. Totally. Like usually, I don't really care about spoilers because we're talking about movies that came out fifty years right, ago or right. something. This is different, though. And yeah, this. I'm is, sure we can talk about it without getting spoilery. Yeah, I, I, we probably could too. But it's the kind of movie where I think the reason why I liked it so much is because I didn't see any trailers. I didn't even read any like one sentence snippet synopsis i just like walked in blind yo save it for when we get to it yeah all right cool this is gonna be hard because i honestly was so excited about crimes of the future like you i didn't watch any trailers i didn't even read anything about it until the day of i read this interview with cronenberg that like only mildly went into the themes and we've talked about this before on the show for sure. I get very, especially with new movies and new horror movies, I get very hung up on expectations and like the movie's reputation. But this is a movie where I was more excited than I've been in a long time and it more than lived up to my expectations. So now that I know we're going to be talking about it, it's hard for me to want to talk about other things. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, so I kind of, I grade the like great directors who are now like 60, 70, 80 years old who are somehow still making movies. I grade them on a curve, you know, like if John Carpenter comes out with a new movie, I'm like, all right, let's, let's see what you're doing. You know, hopefully he doesn't. And, and so I was like, okay, David Cronenberg, old man. He's always kind of like had it going on. He never really lost his yeah, touch. Yeah, he didn't he just... have his dark period like the other directors. Like usually in the '90s, when they had to like bend to the studios, is when the, all the magic was lost. Okay, I have a question for you guys that I, I I'm curious what you think. It's a two-parter. What is your favorite Cronenberg film? But more importantly, what's your least favorite Cronenberg film? Oh, that's it. That's a, because there's none that I actively dislike. Really? Like, there's probably ones that I don't like as much as the others. But it's funny. I remember, like, years ago, if you asked me, like, Shivers versus Rabid, I would have uh, picked Rabid. But we saw Shivers, like, last summer, was it? Or maybe was it the summer yeah, before? Yeah, at, at the drive in. And, like, I mean, it definitely helped that you gave me a strong gummy. But I was just yeah. like wrapped up in a blanket, and I was actually like literally terrified. Yeah, his his films are are pretty scary, and even the ones that like you don't think of as being actually scary, like say The Fly, which I imagine people have a lot of like fun memories to when they think like, oh, the fucking Jeff Goldblum asking yeah. about cheeseburgers. No, no, uh, listen, Veronica, 
I've come here to say one magic word to you. Yeah? Cheeseburger. I was just going to say cheeseburger. Exactly. Like, it, it, you think <laughs> of the fly and you kind of smile. You're like, wow, this is great. But the last time I watched it, when he's going through the shit, it's painful and it's sad and it's so grotesque that this, like, mixture of, like, grotesque melancholy that he seems to, like, land in so many of his films, it's akin to fear. It's very similar to fear. It's this grossed-out sadness that... It's so hard to describe, and it, it's it it's goes that, beyond fear. I think. Yeah, well, it's that mortal fear of like you know one day your body's gonna fail you, and like I mean the fly, it's the most obvious one. It's like watching a loved one die of a disease that there's no like reversal of. Totally. There's also he just has that wintry Canadian atmosphere that really like the dead zone. Which oh, that would yeah. probably be oh, my yeah. least favorite, even though I really like huh. that movie. And I think yeah, I, I'm, 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 that's that's the main question that I want to kind of get out of you guys is what is your least favorite Cronenberg? Because I'm curious and your favorites, because I feel like it's a good way to figure out a lot about a person, you know, who, who's a who's a film fan, well, obviously one, not everybody, because I really enjoy that movie. But it's like the least Cronenberg. You know, he, yeah. he, it's just like, I would agree with that. Yeah. I don't know if it's my least favorite, but it's the least Cronenberg. It, it feels like a, a job for hire that yeah. still does it. And like his like wintry Canadian atmosphere kind of adds to the gloominess of it. Yeah, I really like The Dead Zone. I agree that it's one of the least Cronenberg films, although there is a scene or two that aren't in the book that are like quintessential Cronenberg. I see you sticking your hand up. What scene? No, my hand is up because for those of you who don't know, I am sort of a Stephen King hater and I especially hate most of the adaptations of his films. I know you two grew up reading and loving Stephen King. So my sort of side tangent question, which is related, is do you think like this is my favorite Stephen King adaptation, even though it's one of my least favorite Cronenbergs? Like, do you guys think it's a faithful adaptation? Oh, yeah. I think it's one of the most faithful. For sure. For sure. It's just like the book. It cuts out a lot of a lot of fat, trims some fat off the book. But, but in a good way, in oh, like yeah. that what you need to do for a movie kind of way. Totally, totally. But the cool. scene uh, that I was going to say that is not in the book, that is added in, is when there's this like uh, serial killer character who like Christopher Walken's, you know, mind future seeing guy is like tracking down. And the serial killer is this like dead eyed, like guy with oily black hair very young and he's wearing this like leather coat and when he realizes that he's like you know he's he's got his back against the wall the police are closing in he goes into this public restroom and he opens up a pair of like scissors that are like the public isn't he in his house i I, i'm picturing it in a bathroom i i might be in in a bathroom but i think it's at his house it might be at his house uh i'm picturing it in public i don't know why it's been a while and he opens up the scissors and he just puts his hands on the back of his head and like opens his mouth and slowly just goes face first into the scissors and it's this like fucked up like it makes you wince it's uh, yeah like it's like obviously they don't they don't show you anything but your mind does all of the work those are the best ones it's it's an excellent scene that is like pure david cronenberg it's a nugget of cronenberg in this very stephen king 
movie. The, the intersection is really interesting because I think a lot of the time the reason why book adaptations don't feel faithful is because it's like the director's trying to just do their own thing. Whereas here, it's like we can all agree that it's one of the best Stephen King adaptations, but it also doesn't really feel like Cronenberg. So I, I feel like it's such a weird thing to say that like it's our least favorite because you have to give the context that like it's still a really good movie. Would you say that Dead Zone's also your least favorite? If I had to pick, so in fairness, I am obsessed with Cronenberg. He, along with Roman Polanski, might very well be my favorite living director, but I haven't yet seen uh, Spider, and I haven't seen M. Butterfly or Naked Lunch since I was like 18 or 19, so I, I'm a little hazy on those, but otherwise, probably Cosmopolis and The Dead Zone are tied for my least favorite, though I do like them both. I should know I haven't seen every Cronenberg. Oh, no, no, I, I haven't either. The ones that I haven't seen, ooh, I'm embarrassed. There's, there's, there's a big one that I haven't seen. Oh, I want to know. Yeah, which I'm still shocked by this. Uh, I have not seen Crash. Oh. And when I was a kid, it was one that I remember my parents renting, and then they, like, they hid it. So that way I would not watch it. Yeah, not right. for you. And, and I was like, okay, I got to see this fucking hot sex flick, yeah. you know, that my parents were watching. And then a few years later when I like my brain slowly began to form uh, and I heard about the book, the J.G. Ballard book. I was like, okay, um, I'm going to read this book and then I'm going to watch the movie. And now I've, I've come full circle around where I have not read the book yet. <laughs> I got uh, it around here somewhere. I have a pretty big Ballard collection. But now I'm actually more interested in watching the film first than reading the book, which I know is like no, sometimes considered that. like a mortal sin. But for this, like I'm a fucking Cronenberg fan. J.G. Ballard, he's the is he the high rise guy? Yeah, like, which is great. Yeah, he's 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 a good he's a good writer. But for me, I, I like Cronenberg more than J.G. Ballard. You know, as as far as I know, I feel like there wouldn't be Cronenberg as we know it without J.G. Ballard in some sense. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not fucking knocking the guy. I'm sure he's great, you know. But uh, but Cronenberg's my boy. I, I'm gonna see Crash at some point. But and now it's just been so fucking long that it's like, oh hey, I got a fucking major Cronenberg flick that I haven't seen. And other than that, I I have not seen Spider. I have not seen Map to the Stars. Oh, it's so good. And Madam Butterfly. But I think I would agree with you that Cosmopolis is my my least favorite Cronenberg. I haven't seen much post Dead Ringers, except I saw uh, Eastern Promises and History of Violence in the theaters. Did you see Existence? Oh, yes. Yes, I've seen that one. That's right. Existence was one of my all time favorite movies when I was a kid. Because, like, uh, I was uh, like 10 when. The Matrix came out. It's not mm. existence. Existence. Well, yeah, it's existence. Ex existence sounds like one of those like gas station boner pills. Yeah, baby, that's what it. Well, yeah, yeah, got, yeah right, it's fucking cool. David Cronenberg cool gas station yeah. boner yeah. pill. I've of a movie. only ever heard it pronounced existence. Oh well, I would go to fucking Borders and try to buy the DVD, but like oh, yeah. they're like, I'm like, it's existence, and they'd be like, okay. 
spell it and i'm like i don't know i have no idea there might be a two in there well the cronenberg bathroom or a gas station boner pill body horror movie yeah fucking awesome Yeah, yeah it's about a bunch of fucking truckers that like like decide to like they need to stay awake for like to get their jobs done and they like never sleep and it's been like a year and a half and they're on no sleep and they like have to operate in this hallucinatory boner pill world yes and like yes. everything's fucked up but they're so used to seeing and it that they way get, like the the truck stop girls you know the 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 truck oh, yeah. stop groupies that, they're they're they're, they're they like infect, yeah. they're literal lot lizards they're like they're lizards yeah you know? yeah, yeah like in uh chichin chong's <laughs> nice dreams oh my god so good way to bring that around yeah <laughs> yeah okay wait so what are your favorites uh shit i know what mine are if you need a minute it's, to think yeah about it's it. it's yeah sam buy us some time here what's your favorite cronenberg film okay it's a dead tie i knew it was gonna be a fucking tie <laughs> i knew it it's a dead tie between dead ringers and crash wow you like the sex Two cronenberg the shit greatest huh? movies of all time i mean i mean they're all i mean they're, i mean i'm not looking yeah, shivers they're, but they're all the sex movies also i i feel like my real answer to this should be rabid because i have a contract to write a monograph on rabid that i started and didn't finish because the Saska remake came out and I was so upset I couldn't even think about the movie. But at some point, because I have indeed signed a contract, I have to finish this book. Yeah, I understood half of those <laughs> words. What's a Saska okay. remake? Uh, the, 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 the Saska sisters. They're the like the, the, the female edgelord. They're twins. Movie. They're identical twins. They made who, a movie called Dead Hooker in a Truck. And it's so fucking bad. It top. Probably it's top like if, 20, 30 worst movies I've ever seen. If like Eli Roth split into two yes. edgelord women. Who dress in like Hot Topic outfits. Damn, are they hot? No. They just wear a John. lot of makeup. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen a picture of them. I just, I just heard that. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to need a second opinion here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never seen the yeah. rabid remake either. Oh my There's god! There's a rabid remake. That's what the I fuck was just Jesus saying. Jesus Christ! I okay. Let me. Sorry. No. When you were describing that, like I was getting lost on like you're like I'm writing a monogram and the Saska sisters did a okay, remake. So I didn't realize that you were talking like. I started writing a book about rabbit, about Cronenberg's rabbit. Okay. Thank you so much for this translation. I'm a fucking idiot, ladies and, and gentlemen. No, I was talking fast and quietly. Uh, while I started, after I started writing it. These two female directors, the Saska sisters, announced that they were doing a rabid remake that would be a feminist version of rabid. I hate them. And okay. since the this movie is bumming me out. Since the movie came out, I was too bummed out to keep writing my book. Ugh. And so it's on pause, but it's already the, forgotten by now. Yeah, all yeah, the reviews no, were is... like enraged. Yeah. And it, it has since come out since their movie was out that like they're awful people who are like terrible bullies on social media awesome. and are, are like kind of trying to scam people so i feel justified okay. okay yeah write your book babe that's fucking yeah fuck them don't worry all about those that. like horror remakes that like i was outraged about which do not need to exist they're so they're all forgotten like, I always worried that it would have to be like, my favorite movie is the original Dawn of the Dead. Who the fuck even remembers mm. the remix? I'm no, just like, yeah, I, I, I still have to fucking, when it comes to some films like the Dawn of the Dead 
and uh, the fucking the crazies remake which i didn't even know there was a crazies remake until you told me like a month ago sometimes you do still have to specify and honestly like i've gotten to the point now where it's like i don't give a shit you i know? can see that for like, like the crazies which is like a bit more obscure but texas chainsaw massacre people like think you're talking about one of the later sequels not even the remake the jessica alba butt one no uh jessica beale just, right. Yeah. B for butt. Them. Alba for ass. <laughs> That's how you tell them apart. That's really narrowing it down. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> All right, Johnny. What's your favorite David Cronenberg movie? You have to pick one. Sam got to pick two, yeah. and you have to fucking oh, pick one. You That's... can't do this two shit. Oh. It's also just for today. You can change your mind. Later. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. on the record. It's on I'm the record. Going to be judged. I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're gonna name the title of this and episode like... is gonna be John's favorite Cronenberg movie is. And blind. when you die, it's going on your tombstone. Right. Yeah. Oh. You're he tried to change his mind Jonathan later, but it was already got his favorite he, 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 I mean, as, as a person who like spent countless hours on the internet looking for like weird shit to look at. Like I feel a special kinship with video Drew. Yeah. Cause yeah. it just like predicted me, you know, three years before I was born or maybe what, what year is video Drew? 83, I believe. I believe so. I, I could oh, be wrong. Guess. I was like, it, no, it's, it's 83. The, Damn. the year of my birth. So it's probably video Drew. I know the fly is too obvious, but it's still, no, no, I, I, I think video Drew is an excellent no, answer. Video Drew is it, but I wanted to shout out the fly. Okay. The fly okay. Uh, uh, it's, it's just, <laughs> you picked oh, video Drew. Okay. 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 Yes. Video Drew. Hey. Video Drew is the one. Hey, bossy. <laughs> Pipe down. The fly is great. I, I think the reason why Videodrome is such a perfect answer, though, is because it is it's unlike anything else in the fucking world. Right. Where, and whereas like Rabbit, you'd be like, it's kind of like a, it's, it's like a crazy. zombie it's movie. A it's a blood, crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But smarter. What? I'm not saying Rabbit is like unoriginal or bad. I'm just saying that you can compare it to other things. You can compare the fly to like the fly <laughs> or return of the fly or like you know some kind of monster obviously there's more shit going on but videodrome is so fucking singular and also like it, i saw when i was a teenager and it was like the first like oh i'm gonna watch this cool cult horror movie with like guts and death and cool stuff you know but then like being like wait there's something more to this i'm not really catching on to it right now but, like, I realized, like, oh, this is one of those, like, smart kid movies, too. It's also one of those one of those movies on my, my mental list of things that I saw between the ages of, like, 10 and 14 where I was like, oh, I'm bisexual, aren't I? Yeah, Debbie Harry will do that shit to you. Nikki Brand. James Woods did it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the man's tweets. A little, a little mahogany there, Padre. <laughs> yeah, uh, Videodrome. I'll, you showed it to me, John. I think that it was, was the first time I, I watched. It. I picked up the Criterion. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, what What shocked me the most, or rather, what What I'll never forget is that afterwards, I thought I was going to start tripping. I mean, I was very young. I'd never taken acid. I'd never taken mushrooms. I'd never tripped before, but I was really excited about the idea of doing it someday. Uh, I had experimented with weed, and at the end of the movie, I thought I was, like, 
we were tri- like I was going to start tripping or something. Like it actually did that to me. I mean, I was pretty darn young, but you know, still, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to knock are the that best feeling. Movies yeah. that give you yeah. that feeling. It, it, not so much now because, and I assume you guys are the same. We've seen so many movies. that yes. like the effect isn't there. But like when you are young and you watch something late at night and you're kind of tired and it was something weird, it was sort of like being high. I no, I still get that feeling, and I mean. Not quite as vividly now that I do hallucinogens on a regular basis, mm-hmm. but it's like, yeah, if I'm alone watching something in the dark and it's, it, I feel like Cronenberg has this way of getting into your head because of the often kind of obfuscated emotional core at the center of his movies. Where Absolutely. It's like, like, I think Charles was, we were talking about this recently and he was saying, you know, these movies feel really cold, which I think a lot of people would agree with. But they're all these like tragic romances. Yeah. Well, the movies, it's yeah, they're they're cold, but like not in a way that you're not enjoying it. It's cold in a way that it you're kept at a distance from the characters. There's rarely characters who you just completely love from top to bottom and understand. I mean, maybe Jeff Goldblum in The Fly. I was going to say maybe Gina Davis in The Fly. Yeah, they're they're great. (laughs) But it's yeah, it's more drama than melodrama, which genre usually leans towards. We didn't talk about your least favorite movie, but I think I know what it is. Wait, we did not? Oh, no, Cosmopolis. Oh, what about Scanners? Oh, oh yeah, like shit! Scanners. Okay, yeah, Not you know to what? Call you out no, 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 no. But so, uh, I think I would, I would rate Cosmopolis below Scanners, but for the the sake of you know you the guys piling on me, the firing squad here, here. Uh, Scanners is so fucking cool. No, S- Scanners has has no. <laughs> some problems that are are unforgivable, and it has some great imagery, like some of like you know. The guy's fucking... The head's exploding. It's great stuff. Who doesn't fucking love to see a goddamn head explode? What's the guy with the fucking mean face and the bald head and the jiggly... Michael fucking Ironside. Yeah, he's terrific. He's he's great. You kind of just want to lick the side of Michael Ironside's face in that movie. Yeah, you definitely do. And, you know, them just, like, you know, doing scanner shit's fine, but... I don't like the movie. Every time I watch it, it's just... It's too slow, it's too long, and there's no... I don't care about this incredible plot and like, and I really want to like it. And I've, I've tried it three times over the years. Uh, and I don't, but real quick, I want to say, uh, one more thing about Videodrome. And that is, I think that it would also be my favorite Cronenberg. If it still hit me half as hard as it did the first time or two that I watched it. Like if like, if it still had that kind of power when I watch it now, it's that would hands down be my number one Cronenberg. Because the first time I watched it, that was one of the best fucking movies I'd ever seen. It just it, it doesn't hit me as much now that I have seen more stuff and now that... Uh, Wait, so what's your favorite now? I think that my favorite Cronenberg now is, is Shivers. I, I really do. It, it's one that like every Good time... Choice. I fucking watch it now. I like it more and more. It's scary. It's 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 very unsettling, so and it also has like 
a little bit of like this like kind of like cool sleazy exploitation well, yeah. movie vibe that I don't think Cronenberg really ever had other than Shivers and Rabbit but Shivers is the one that hits it hard it feels like a fucking dirty drive-in flick with yeah, Cronenberg and, behind and, the wheel and that's why I love like his 70s stuff and it's like something that like makes me trust the guy whenever I'm about to watch a movie because like you can tell he actually does enjoy that exploitation movie sleaze. And so I'm like, I'm not dealing with some like pretentious, like artsy fartsy guys. Like this guy knows like what the good stuff is. You know, like I'm not saying. Yeah. Like, hey, the guy's probably a little pretentious and artsy fartsy. Let's no, not no, completely no, no, no. let but, him but off not, But not in that like hey. smug loser, like coffee house way. Yes. But it's I, just like a guy see, who likes I don't the even good know. stuff. So, so part of like. The reasons why I don't think he can be considered pretentious is, number one, what we just said, but number two, his acting career. He has been in so many wild Jason X, things, baby. Jason X. All right. From Too Jason fucking X Shay. to Star Trek Discovery. Nightbreed. Like, his role in Nightbreed is fucking terrifying, but it's clear. Oh, he's a great villain. It's so clear that like he's having fun in these low budget cult movies and few directors do stuff like that except for maybe like skolomovsky i i think the reason why i would say he's got a little pretension stuff going is that uh like later in a lot of the like the big horror directors careers and i'm thinking guys like uh romero or uh carpenter fucking who else would you throw on that list like uh, who would you Wes say Craven? Wes Craven like the peers of of Cronenberg mm, would we call them his peer I'm just being a jerk <laughs> it just you know Cronenberg's a guy I mean I listen I like the way his farts smell and I think he fucking does too yeah well he saying? just knows that they smell good but yeah but all those guys tried to branch off into like other types of movies they were just pigeonholed from the studios more than anything yeah whereas he just kept making the movies he wanted to make he kept getting more and more acclaim and then in the 2000s he had trouble getting the budgets he wanted but i think he was never somebody who wanted to be making more mainstream more respectable movies ever yeah you had this really really good hypothetical a scenario, John, uh, where you said years ago that you wish that John Carpenter and David Cronenberg had uh, swapped jobs so that instead of David Cronenberg directing The Dead Zone, John Carpenter did The Dead Zone. Yeah. And instead of John Carpenter directing Christine, yeah. David Cronenberg does Christine because Christine... He did and it's called Crash. Yeah. <laughs> but Christine is kind of a body horror. The book, I haven't seen the movie in years, but like, it's about like a nerdy guy and his car who both get these weird like yeah. uh, possession makeovers and like kind that of could be really cool yeah i think cronenberg's christine would have been way more interesting than john carpenter's and john carpenter is like you know he's a workman he could right, have done fucking right. i like his christine but yeah cronenberg's christine would have been more weird but i think even though the dead zone doesn't fully feel like a cronenberg movie it still has some of those important beats like this isolated sad sack male protagonist which is something that he has from basically 1979 with the brood 
all the way through to arguably maybe Spider. It's like, at least into his 90s films. And so Christopher Walken, I think, gives his least Christopher Walken performance and his most empathetic, just sad guy who knows he's going to die. And instead of having this issue with his body, it's like this psychic thing. So I I do think there is some time. Yeah, yeah. Putting in that, yeah, you're kind of changing me, my mind now. I mean, I still stand by it, but yeah, like it's it's more like it's still dealing with this irreversible change. Yeah. It's that, just not like bodily. That, that you know is going to kill you or right. lead to your death in some way. Although Martin Sheen is amazing in that movie. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. Martin Sheen's I fucking love flick. Martin He's terrific Sheen. in that. So do I. David Cronenberg is a director that has scared us with such movies as Scanners, Rabid, The Brood. And now he has brought us an exciting, fast-moving drama... The Dead Zone, from a book by Stephen King. Um, the Dead Zone is the first thriller that you've directed that you yourself have not written. Are your visions, do you feel your visions of terror are the same as those of Stephen King, the author? Um, well, it's not so much visions of terror uh, as, as uh, a certain other things that I, that I think I wanted to, to acquire from Stephen and from his uh, novel, The Dead Zone. Uh, in fact, I think that when it comes to uh, what we think uh, horror is about, I think we, that, we, that Stephen and I do agree very much. But what was interesting to me about the, the dead zone was, were the differences between our work rather than the similarities. And uh, I was very much attracted to the, the characters of the dead zone, which were um, a, a very open, simple, accessible uh, honest, almost naive, small-town characters, very different from the characters that I uh, normally deal with in my own scripts. And um, I wanted very much to, to um, kind of fuse my own sensi- sensibility with that aspect of Stephen King's sensibility and, and to make a film that would perhaps be different from either of us separately, but, but uh, hoping that the strengths were what were coming together, that it could be a very strong film. Uh, before we get to Crimes of the Future, uh, real quick, I'm curious to find out how you guys feel about Cronenberg's later oof. Did I say that word right? Yes, you did. Wow. Hell yeah. And I I guess I mean everything from the, like, early to mid-aughts, like, post-Spider, I guess. Yeah, 2000, so Spider's 2002, History of Violence is 2005. Gotcha, yes. At, starting with History of Violence, and then I think it was Eastern Promises. Yeah, those are the two, the only two I've seen. I enjoyed them. I think they're great. The only one I didn't like, which I f- am still heartbroken about. Hey, actually, you know what? I forgot about this. I would like to rescind my earlier answer. My least favorite David Cronenberg movie is A Dangerous Method, which broke my heart because I love Eastern Promises and History of Violence. I love his relationship with Viggo Mortensen. They clearly are romantically involved, even Uh, if they don't know about it. Um, If you Google pictures of them kissing, there are like dozens of them. Uh, Wow, that's Uh, wonderful. But I love their work together, but for I, I feel like people haven't seen a dangerous method and it's like 
Vigo is Freud. Michael Fassbender is Carl Jung. And I like his work a lot, too. And making this sort of like... And Kiera Knightley is unhinged. Yeah, and she's, she's fucking going off. It. Yeah, I think she's terrific. And so it's like based on some of the early development of Freud's theories when he and Jung were still working closely together. And they have this problematic female patient who informs the theories but challenges them and then they have this big falling out because Jung realizes that Freud has become a crazy person and it's based on this actual book and it just it feels like this really long mini series that has no central plot and just meanders and I wanted to like I was convinced I was going to love it and I'm just still so sad about it. John, did you see this movie? No. I because I remember History of Violence and Eastern Promises had like major theatrical releases. Like I didn't yeah. have to like travel to Philly to see it. Yeah, no, I, I saw both of those in theaters. A Dangerous Method is one that I had to like I had to download. Right, right. Yeah, I yeah. watched it streaming somewhere, I think, or maybe I downloaded it. I guess it do- it doesn't sound like it has that like mainstream crossover. And also I think the reviews off the jump weren't positive. Yeah, but I mean, like, History of Violence, like, you can still, mar- you marketed that as a thriller, which it is. And the same thing with Eastern Promises. It's like a Russian yeah. mob thriller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is such an interesting choice for him to all of a sudden make these two organized crime thrillers about, like, mistaken identity or assumed identities. And they're basically family dramas that are also body horror movies it's like what a wild concept yeah i i really liked both of those eastern promises and uh history of violence especially eastern promises the fucking dicks out fight scene in the fucking russian bathhouse oh my god watched it since it came out on dvd i rewatched it then and really so it's been what was that 2006 2007 2007 so it's been like 15 years i'm ready to like go back yeah i feel like I almost don't want to go back to Eastern Promises because I I love it so much and I've been like singing its praises for so long. I would like to go back to History of Violence and A Dangerous Method. I uh, I didn't hate it. I remember everyone kind of like jumping on it and because I think everyone was like at its throat. I was like, okay, this movie's gonna suck, but like I love my boys. Let me see my boys and I. I kind of want to watch it again now that I don't have such incredibly high expectations. But I think being so disappointed with it was helpful in a way because I went into Cosmopolis with no expectations and I thought it was fine. I thought it was interesting. I thought Robert Pattinson was great. And then Maps to the Stars, I fucking loved. And it just is insane oh I, that I, I can't wait to watch that I, I i didn't see it i kind of assumed that like after cosmopolis cronenberg was gonna be okay he's he's an old man you know and no. I, I i feel like guys who've been making movies for like 50 fucking years it, it's like fucking the shit that, that tarantino says he's gonna make 10 movies and i'm never making another movie again yeah you know because by then the cocaine will have killed him but but, but also like that's probably the smartest thing he's ever said. And the most like honest thing is that people like when they get to a certain age, like they can't command this army. They've lost touch with like fucking reality in a lot of ways because they've lived as this genius auteur. I, for I, fucking... don't, I don't think that's 
the reason, though. I think that's where he's mistaken. I think it's because Hollywood chews you up and spits you out. And if yeah. you're not like the young, hot thing, you're nobody. There's that classic Billy Wilder story where like he sat down at the studio and this young exec's like, uh, so what have you made? And he's like, you first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and that's I, cool. I think this specific thing that we're talking about does not happen with European directors. Yeah, well, I guess what I mean is that because uh, Hollywood's evil, especially genre directors and like the autori type directors, like look at John Carpenter's last fucking handful of movies. Look at George Romero's last handful of movies. But and it's like and, and if you want to blame the fact they weren't getting money, like that's not always the case. And also like they made movies without money to start that were fucking great. So it's yeah, like but I feel like the amount of energy it takes. Yeah, to they make, don't have gas in the tank. They don't got the fucking well, energy a, for it. So they shouldn't of, be doing these guys. Both movies. of those directors had high profile movies that they were going to make that they were very excited to do that were either taken away from them or like studio heads changed and the movie just like didn't come into fruition. Like it, their souls were like sucked out because Hollywood was in charge. There was no independent scene anymore. Well, ultimately what I'm, what I'm getting at here is that this is what I assumed of David Cronenberg because I didn't like Cosmopolis and then I didn't see Map to the Stars. I heard mixed things. I love that you say that you that you liked it. I that know you loved so many it. people who were, didn't like it because they didn't understand what was happening or what it was. So I was like, okay, Cronenberg, you're still making movies, but you're just kind of, you know. You're, you're Splashing around in the shallow end of the pool? Yes. Holy fuck. Crimes of the future. I loved this fucking movie. And I wonder if I loved it because I had slightly lower expectations going in. But I loved it. It, it felt like Cronenberg was playing the greatest hits album. And it wasn't, it wasn't cringy. It was like, yeah, this song fucking rocks. Oh, yeah, I forgot you did this song. Holy shit. I, I, I totally forgot that you did this song. This song fucking slaps. See, I don't know if I agree with you quite as much about the greatest hits vibe. Like, the thing that I think is so crazy about Crimes of the Future, and I agree, it's wonderful, probably best movie of the year. I can't wait to go see it again. You haven't seen Top Gun yet, though. But, oh my God, stop it. Um, Jurassic it's like Park. he wrote it. Yeah, I got to see some dinosaurs. <laughs> I need to see Dodson. <laughs> wait, you're distracting me. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> It's like he wrote the script, I think, in the 80s or early 90s. And I like he's got a pile of scripts and I think managed to get some money together with this company, Neon, who seems to be like a new up and coming production company that's doing some interesting stuff and has hopefully some good things lined up for the future as well. But like even though it has themes that are in his older movies, so many of his movies made by like the mid eighties share a lot of those themes. So I don't really see this as like an older director who's having like a swan song with throwbacks to his movies. I think it's just something he's always done. Yeah. Well, I think another reason why the, the idea of this being kind of swan songy and throwbacky to the old hits is because, like we were saying, his last chunk of movies 
were not like this at all. Like uh, they, like Eastern promises and and history of violence, Cosmopolis, dangerous method mapped to stars, which I haven't seen, but I assume is not like Crimes of the Future. No, but it does have some body horror stuff going on in a strange way. But this feels like classic fucking Cronenberg. It kind of like can sit in his early lineup. And not feel out of place, you agree. know. I would totally agree with that. And like the and the reason why it feels like best hit or greatest hits is that like there's a little bit of uh we got a little bit of existence in there, we got a little bit of crash in there. I haven't seen crash, but I, I know a little the plot. bit of video drone, a little bit of video. Like it's just like definitely a little bit of dead ringers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, actually, a lot of bit of dead ringers, which is probably why I. Yeah. I'm kind of obsessed with it. That's now. why I, I disagree a bit because like it felt more like the '90s ones, which I don't think of as early Cronenberg. I always think no, of no, like no, no, '70s yeah. to '80s, like mid '80s. I think like Naked Lunch yeah. on was sort of like a, a a second phase. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this felt like it was it was '90s Cronenberg working with '80s material. But the fact that it's fucking Cronenberg of 2022 or 2021, whenever he made it, it's it's and then it feels like topically so uh, like in a way where you're just like, whoa. Yeah. But like also it's the kind of thing that if you were someone who was paying attention in, you know, the 90s or 80s, you could see like plastic and pollution was like going to fuck up the world pretty darn soon. You probably might might have guessed it would have happened a little later but uh which is really nice when it's a movie that's about uh a little bit of spoilers coming up here uh everybody when it's a movie that's about pollution microplastics and like being in this like dirty synthetic world that it is like changing your biology it's changing your dna we're now evolving alongside of these toxic pollutants that we we create it's like apocalyptic body horror it's not like the individual yeah. character it's everybody and that's fucking terrifying and, and the fact that like one of the elements of this future world is that people don't feel pain and when you think about the way that people react to i mean say like war school shootings fucking you know plague deaths hearing that like you know the ice caps are like hearing all this like gnarly end of the world shit that we hear about every single day now we're like kind of getting numb to it we're not feeling any fucking pain when we hear these horrible awful things that like should hurt that should hurt and when you see this movie like when they're performing the surgery on each other it's like yeah this should fucking hurt but it doesn't you know and and it's like oh of course people have evolved to not feel pain and they've evolved to like eat these microplastics it's 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 so i don't know it's cool it definitely reminds me that aspect of it reminds me of steven sadian's cafe flesh which is this wild 80s apocalyptic post-apocalyptic hardcore movie where people basically can't have normal sex aside from this small group of people who get roped into doing these live sex shows basically against their will as entertainment for other people. Wow. It's like the road, except no one can fuck, except for like three people. Pretty much. (laughs) That's awesome. And this, it has sort of similar themes where it's like these performance artists who basically are doing this surgery on each other and they're 
super famous among the like 50 people that still exist in Portugal or wherever we're supposed to be. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure if it was Portugal or Greece or something. Oh, I think it's Greece. Greece. It, it looks like Mediterranean and kind of kind of nice, but also like shitty, you know? Well, just very, I think he does this amazing job of having these beautiful Mediterranean like shooting locations and having it still look gross and run down and post-apocalyptic well and that's and that's one thing this movie does so brilliantly is the way that they do the the world building just before there's a nice exposition dump early on just to kind of catch you up enough that you're not you know you know drowning but in the early scenes the way they set up this world of like this little boy eating a fucking like trash can a plastic trash can and then his mother like smothering him then they cut to like another main character in the movie i forget who and they're walking down the street and there's just like this couple on the side of the road just like cutting each other but like not in a way where it looks violent they're like literally slicing each other's bodies open but in a way that's not violent i don't know it's it's so weird that you said like to say that out loud but like that's what's happening and then they kind of give you a little more information about what's going on and it's yeah opening with the child death is uh, out of the gate you're like all right we're back in business this is a this is like some real cronenberg shit yeah the world building like lost me at first i think it was like halfway when i kind of like caught on to who everybody was and like what was going on there that I was finally like, okay, I'm vibing with this. But like the first half I was enjoying it, but like I was a little lost. It was like sort of like watching like the big sleep where like two people would have a conversation. I'm trying to remember, wait, wait, which guy are they talking about right now? And it even has that like noir vibe. But but once like all the pieces like all clicked in my head, I was like, okay, I'm I, I know what I'm in. It's nice when that happens when you're watching a movie and like there's like they're not giving you they're not showing you all the cards for a little while, but they're showing you like one or two. They're like right. giving you cards so you don't feel like you're being cheated in any way. Uh, there's very few directors who are masters of that, and like I think. That particular thing is something that David Lynch is an absolute master of. And David Lynch is someone who, like, even in the end, is like, actually, I was playing with these cards. Like, he, like, he's on a different level. But anyway. Oh, well, you have to do it with, <laughs> like, science fiction because you can't be too weird from the get-go. Or or if you're weird, you have to give them something to ground them, you know? And, and, and yeah, this movie, like, just does that. It, 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 it never is frustrating when... Before they give you the info. Have you ever read Dangerous Visions? Oh, yeah. It, yeah, Harlan, the Harlan Ellison. Ellison. Yeah, and he just has these collections of like really short dark stories, sci-fi yeah. short stories. This feels like an adaptation from something from that. Oh, yeah. It really does. And, and like once like I thought that like near the end, I was like, okay, I, I got... That was like my Rosetta Stone to being like, uh, I'm in, I'm in. I have a friend who hated this movie. Like, hated it. And... Which I still... I mean, he explained to me why he hated it. And uh, I like him so much that, you know, I didn't tell him he was a total fucking idiot. Just kidding. You're really cool. You listen. I'm sure you listen. But the fucking reasoning was that, like, oh, I would never believe this character would act this way. That the cop was like, oh, and then they just went along with that. Oh, and this and that. And, like, what, what was happening was I think my friend was, like, pulling at threads... And, like, losing track of the fact that, like, yo, you're watching what is ultimately, like, 
a pulpy sci-fi story. Yeah. Yeah, with lots of black humor in it. Yeah, that like you're watching like uh, something that, that that's a comedy, that's a satire that is like a fucking old grand master at work here, you know? And it's yeah. and it's when you start like looking at character motivations like why would he do this and not this? That's so stupid. It's like Whoa, 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 whoa. I feel like you you can't be like this. It's not a conventional drama. You can't expect it to follow these like conservative rules of storytelling. For sure. And pulling at the threads of of science fiction, especially one whose like existence is there to like to both titillate and give you a, a message or, you know, or <laughs> it does a lot more than that. But uh, it's it's just like. Come on. My only complaint is that, like, it looks like a murky, like, 2005 low-budget movie. Oh, I liked that about it. I, I can get down with it, but it's just... Yeah. I'm sure, like, the once I revisit it, which I... Me revisiting it with, like, knowing everything ahead of time, I think is going to be, like... I'm curious. I think it's going to make it much better. I think this is definitely the rewatch movie. Yeah, I can't wait to rewatch it. And if only... It, it's I'm sort of struggling to not give away any actual spoilers. I know I know we, we said spoilers, but well, it's we, like we gave away the kid. So that's yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's the opening the scene, minutes. you know, hey. Yeah. yeah, but if you haven't seen the movie and you don't know that that's the opening, that's a pretty impactful yeah. opening. But the performances like I can't wait. So I love Vigo in certain things. He's great in reflecting skin. He's great. In his movies with Cronenberg. Come on, baby, say He's it. He's the best Aragorn ever. There you go. There you go. You draw far too much attention to yourself, Mr. Underhill. What do you want? A little more caution from you. That is no trinket you carry. I carry nothing. Indeed. I can avoid being seen if I wish, but to disappear entirely. That is a rare gift. Who are you? Are you frightened? Yes. Not nearly frightened enough. I know what hunts you. But sometimes in more mainstream things, his performances don't always hit for me. Have you seen Hidalgo? Sadly, I have on a plane. Texas Ooh. Chainsaw Massacre 3? He's really good in that. Um, Does he play like Chop Top? He's basically he's, yeah that's cool hitchhike more hitchhiker than top, chop top but he's still in the family right but here i expected one of the performances i expected his performance here to be similar to what he does in history of violence or eastern promises where it's relatively straightforward at first with all these layers going on underneath but here there's so much humor so much like really really subtle humor i think this is like one of his best recent performances and one of his unintentionally funniest or intentionally but like yeah. maybe not overtly i did not vibe with his performance for a while there was a while watching the movie where i didn't like anybody in it and it seemed like no one knew what they were doing Oh, no. But the thing is, though, is that, like, that's because I didn't know what was going yeah. on. I, I trusted Cronenberg, but I didn't yet trust any of the actors. And it took... And, and But then there was, like, a moment. I don't know exactly when it all shifted, when, like... Because fucking... Isn't he just, like, Val Kilmer in the new Top Gun? <laughs> you fucking prick. 
like his performance is like uh, no it's just like Val Kilmer and then do Top Gun fucking <laughs> <laughs> son of a bitch I'm fucking cutting that out don't why make, is that that's sensitive fun of Val Kilmer he's fucking dying but, but yeah but I mean that's Val Kilmer's <laughs> in the new Top Gun just like all right sorry go ahead yeah I I, I mean honestly I would say that Viggo Morton's performance is very very akin to val kilmer's in top gun <laughs> oh my god listen we all smoke this is all how we're gonna die we can make fun of it all right listen val kilmer is a great guy right yeah is i don't know if he's a great guy but he's a great actor okay well then in that Eat, case baby. Well, fuck it the guy's an asshole then he's also he's dying I don't. I just said I didn't know. Yeah, we don't know. I don't. Oh. I mean, we He's haven't also, heard anything, and we're pretty yeah, much no, like have I our. Haven't heard anything. Yeah, but yeah, we have our finger on the pulse of stuff like that, though. I feel like we would know if Al Kilmer had some sketchy shit. Yeah. I mean. Whatever he's done, his role as Doc Holliday in Tombstone oh, is probably my God. enough yes. to make How up the for fuck it. Did I forget that. Yeah. Got to tip your hat to Kurt Russell for that one, though. Yeah, you certainly do. I have a uh, a question. Do you guys think that? Daddy Cronenberg was getting jealous that Baby Cronenberg was getting credit for all these new like. Well, he body made two harmonies. of them. Yeah, but like he wanted to show like, listen, who was doing this first? I I, I like to. I kind of like that. Think. I, I I don't think so. But here's the thing. I want to believe that's yeah. true. Like I want to believe that David Cronenberg's kid making fucking Brandon. Brandon, oh my God, let's go, Brandon. Let's Fuck it, go, making Brandon. antiviral and making Which, possessor. Possessor antiviral is great. I am still waiting to see possessor. I I know I need to. I'm the opposite. I've seen possessor and have not seen antiviral, and I liked possessor. Antiviral. I'm still surprised how much I liked it. I love to imagine that fucking big daddy sees young kid, young buck, fucking. Or they just had a fight at Thanksgiving dinner. And yeah. He's like, okay. He's like, all right, Mr. Body Horror. <laughs> yeah, little little fucking Brandon's cutting the fucking turkey this year. He's like, yeah, I'm turkey, man. How was map to the snores, asshole, you know? And then he's like, all right, kid. Guess what? I got a fucking stack of movie scripts that I wrote when I was doing fucking cocaine with... Uh, who's the Woods guy? James Woods in the 80s, and I'm just oh, ready man. to go. I can't imagine them being friends. No, no. I, I think not. I yeah. think part of why Vigo and Cronenberg love each other so much is because they have similar politics and yeah, Vigo's fucking outlooks, awesome. Whereas James Woods is a conservative Republican shitbag. Yeah, he's he's like mega psycho. Yeah, too. but I I can see like because I I I like watching James Woods, not oh, James Woods agreed. a person, and I imagine like he's a strong enough actor that he probably has like a very professional like attitude to doing movies oh. that like. I would hope so, maybe. I, I've heard about him harassing people on set. Oh. I don't know if that's just hearsay or true, but not not a friend to the ladies, as it turns out. Oh, yeah. He had that one where he he said that the lady was uh, stalking him or something. I forget. There was a big hoopla with the Blade Runner. Uh, who's the Blade Runner? Daryl Hannah. No. Um, the rep, not that replicate. The oh, one with the dark that, hair that from the poor, beginning. That poor woman, uh, Sean Young. Yes, yes. Apparently, they had some weird thing going on. Yeah, I usually, uh, when it comes to like actors on screen, I can like totally turn off my brain. Yes, and I can watch. I can watch John Voight do whatever. I can watch fucking Clint Eastwood 
do whatever. William Hurt. Yeah, well, I just heard about William Hurt recently. I had no idea he was a fucking ding dong. I think Clint Eastwood's just sketchy, like opinion wise. I don't. Oh my god, no. Oh god. Uh, oh, so Jesus, Sandra Locke. Oh, Death Games. The yeah. great Sandra Locke basically had her career ruined because she was in a long-term romantic relationship with Clint Eastwood who like kept her from becoming famous and did other I don't think he was physically abusive but it was it was not a good time. Yeah, okay, I take it all back. It, but the thing is though is that like a lot of times I can turn it off and I can watch a fucking oh, yeah, me a, too. A, a movie star do their shit like I know we keep fucking joking about goddamn Top Gun but like the fact that this absolute megalomaniac freakazoid lizard man can make me forget that he owns a slave ship in the fucking Pacific and like believes that there are souls in an underground volcano that are three million years. I don't fucking know. Like the fact that this guy can make me forget that for two hours and 15 minutes, it's like job well done. I mean, like he just wants the world to love and worship him. And is that too much to ask? And, and I feel like, you know, (laughs) guys like Clint Eastwood, like, he's a commanding presence this and that like i can fucking look beyond it for some reason like i think it was the fact that it was like i was on twitter pretty often for a while i'm not on there anymore thank god but i would like i would see james woods tweets like every fucking day and it just like it made it so that i was re-watching once upon a time in america and I was like, I'm fucking looking at this asshole be a nice guy thinking right now. Thinking about his tweets. And I'm thinking about his tweets, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Like, have you ever seen The Boost? No. It's like the reefer madness of the 80s, but for cocaine instead of Whoa. weed. It was written. It's based on a book written by Bill Stein, or Ben Stein. Who's the 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 CIA guy, right? No, win Ben Stein's money. Oh, Ben Stein. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's he's not the CIA guy. No, he's no, he but he's be. like proto Ben Shapiro. Yes, you know? yes. And like, it's it's psycho. It's it's wow. wonderful though, but like in a terrible way. Wow, I would love to watch that. It's, that sounds it's awesome. Great. Yeah. Me and Erica watched it. It's fantastic. We got so derailed from talking about how great Vigo is in Crimes of the Future. <laughs> Thanks, James Woods. Another <laughs> and, and also fucking not sin. just Vigo. Leia Sadu and Kristen Stewart are, are are two of my favorite, like newer generation actors who basically have a career because they're hot and they're models, but really have a career because they're super talented performers who choose really weird art house movies whenever they can. It's yeah. magical. To be fair, Kristen Stewart is is terrible in her first five films. Yeah, but she was, what, like 17 or something? Uh, yeah. And hey. had the worst script on earth. But see, watch Personal Shopper. I can't wait. No, I I, I really like Kristen Stewart. And I think that, like, she has definitely grown over the years. Oh, yeah. And in this movie, she was another one who, like, off the bat, I was like, what are you fucking doing? Like, what is this decision that you're making? And it it, it reminded me of her performance in the Twilight movies. I've seen the first three Amazing. Twilight movies. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me how. Yeah. No, I do want to know. How did you get into that i was on a a cross-country road trip with five of my friends yeah and we watched the first one one night like just as like a joke yeah yeah and then like we're like all right you know what we got to see what happens next year wow i randomly 
years and years ago when I worked for Whole Foods and did like an overnight inventory thing, my coworker Jill and I got out just in time for a matinee. And the only thing showing was Twilight 2. I hadn't seen the first one, but was like, fuck it. And it was like us and a Sam, bunch of 15-year-olds who were so angry that we were laughing the whole show time. Show some fucking respect, okay? It's called New Moon, okay? I'll show you a new moon in a second. <laughs> but I think Kristen Stewart's performance in this was very akin to her performance in the first, like, in the Twilight movies. Because it's, like... Stuttery and nervous and, nervous and awkward. Yes, but in this way where it's, like, you expect that she would have some confidence because, like, her character in this is fucking, you know, dating a vampire man. And the character in this is, like, a fucking Ooh, surgeon. Yeah, surgical groupie. The moment when I realized why her performance was was what it was it wasn't just because she was this groupie for this performance artist guy who's like you know cutting his fucking his new organs out of his body i don't know the reason why it finally clicked wasn't because of that it was because when the movie established what sexual relations were in this world and that for her to be a surgeon for one and this I is I don't think she's a surgeon. Well, yeah, she's no, she, yes, she absolutely is. Kristen Stewart? Yes. I thought they were just no. the people. She's like... the one who did the autopsy on the kid before anyone else got to the body. She's the one who put all of his organs into the kid. I don't think so. I don't think she did the autopsy. She just put the organs in. Well, Major We're going to have to rewatch it. No. Spoilers. I'm pretty sure she is just a collector. Okay. And a secret government official. There's a lot of that going on here. Yeah, which there's is, some shadowy government stuff. But in like kind of along. a vague, fun way. Yeah, not in like the over the top, or not as stupid not way as, as like, scanners, or or not as like drawn out <laughs> and focused as in Eastern Promises. Okay. Well, let's watch this movie again. I'll go see it again. All right. Well, yeah. here, let's do a double feature. No, I don't want to see the new Top Gun movie. I already saw the new Top Gun movie. I'm talking about something else. You're trying to trick me into seeing it. I know what you're doing. No, I know that. No, it's morbid time. Yeah, morbid it's time, time to fucking morb. Morb up. Morb it up. Call the other morbs. Yo, honestly, the fact that they fucking made a, an ironic meme about how much they like this really awful piece of shit movie and the studios were like, oh, wow, they like our movie. Let's put it back in theaters. And like the fact everyone's like, what were you thinking? You fucking it. They probably like they already lost money on it. It was 85 grand they made. So wow. Wow. The, the, the fact that a movie studio got gaslit by memes just shows you how out of touch Hollywood is. Didn't Jared Leto have like a sex cult? Uh, he had yeah. some sex thing. He like had a fucking like harem of women that were under his like thrall, where he was like doing weird okay, shit with a his harem hands. Harem is like a dozen people. This I think is more in like cult territory. Okay, he had like fifty people. No, I think it's like dozens of people who came to this like well, Jared Leto Paradise Island and were part of his weird. Uh, cult. Who looked at him and was like, "We should make him an actor." Uh, like, we should... I'm sorry, but. You were not a teenage girl when my so-called life came out, and he was the, like, super hot bad boy. That's the Claire Danes one? Yep. It's the, like, 90s grunge teenage my girl coming of that. age yeah. show. If you were around to see that while you were going through puberty, you would understand why Jared Leto became an actor. I don't understand why he became famous and... 
yeah. started to get into like in the Blade Runner. Yeah, that was supposed to be David Bowie remake. It should have been David Bowie. That was awful. Yeah, yeah, he was the worst part of that. I liked the movie. fucking Blade Runner remake. I it's fucking vibed with it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The but, sequel, yeah, I liked sequel, it too. Sequel, sequel. I, I I remember walking in and being like, "This is gonna be so dumb," but you know. Yeah, I like, vibed oh, the fuck like out, it. and then every time, like fucking, you know, that guy showed up, I was like, "Damn, this guy Same. sucks." He's like, he rem- what he reminds me of is he reminds me of like old man johnny depp but as a young guy oh you know like yes you know, know how exactly like exactly what you mean you weirdly. know like fucking jingling fucking rings and or jingling bracelets all over the fucking place Ugh. yeah he he gives off that like i'm an old rocker who spent way too many decades partying and being worshipped by everyone and now i have this gigantic ego for no good reason yeah and, i mean johnny depp has a better reason than jared leto but yeah. jared leto literally has no reason well his his, his movie flopped so that's true he hasn't got much uh much to brag about now yeah oh man wait did you see it no of course not how, what do you mean of course of not of course not you see everything, you see everything john not everything yeah. i haven't even seen that new jurassic park yet i haven't seen the last track that's park. what we're doing a double feature tonight we're, we're re-watching Sold. crimes of the future oh really yeah. Have you seen the last Jurassic Park? It looked terrible. Nope. Don't worry I about it. I saw two of them ago when the, Yeah, we saw that. When the red haired Ron Howard's yes. daughter lady is running through mm. the jungle in high heels, which in the trailer for the last one, it was obvious that dinosaurs were gonna die in the movie. No. And I'm not gonna watch I'm not gonna sit through that to see like Chris Pratt. You okay. know, like if it looked like a real movie, like a legitimately like, good movie and I'd have to suffer. Okay, but yeah. like that to see like Chris Pratt do the Chris Pratt thing. That no, that's, that's that was my fair. reluctance because I hate Chris Pratt. Oh my god! Okay, this is so why bad. I assume the new one's gonna fucking suck so bad. Is that it has uh, you got Laura Dern, you got Jeff Goldblum, you got Sam Neill back. But the thing is though, and is that Dodson's we live there. No, he's not. Dodson's in the movie. Get the fuck out. That's why I want to go see Which it. Which one's Dodson? Dodson's the, the guy from one, Newman from when Seinfeld. Newman shows up to the island. And talks oh, to the lawyer. Yeah, he goes, yeah, Dodson, the shaving cream. We got Dodson here. Yes. Why is he in this? Okay. Oh, I guess, no, I guess he works for a rival company. So, yeah, they probably have. His schedule was open. Yeah. <sighs> and my, you know, one of my number one childhood crushes, Bob Peck, is no longer with us. So he yes. couldn't come back to. Oh, he's the clever Chris girl Pratt guy. The, he's yes. like that oh, hot dude. fucking Australian he dude. Was, um. Yep, he's damn. You were you had a crush on that fucking bug guy. Oh yeah, Aussie Did freak. Did you ever see that that mini series? He's British, he was in? but yes. Oh, um, huh. Edge of Darkness. No, but I keep hearing how great it is, and I really want. I think see you'll it. really like that. Did we watch that? I did. I told you about it. Okay, okay. He's the main guy. Yeah, I think you would like that. Yeah. Watch it. It's it's. A, I think it's six to eight. Bar- it's like uh, a dark crime thriller. Yeah. But anyway, but it gets we, weirder. And, we live and in a Jonah time. Baker's in it. When, Sorry. Whenever wow. they they fucking like want to do the nostalgia grab and they bring back the old stars, it's always so fucking cringy. Oh yeah. So now you're gonna be balance. You're gonna be bouncing back and forth between these like cringy old people like saying the lines they said in the first movie and the audience just like cheering, and then you're gonna bounce over to fucking Christian Wonderkind, Chris Pratt, like doing his like tough guy oh. stern look, like hey, hey little dinosaur friend, you can trust me. And, and the trailer, they, oh my God. They, it's just like the in the last Independence Day, 
uh, trailer where like Jeff Goldblum's like, oh, and this one's bigger, and then this one has like a the, like a big dinosaur, and Jeff Goldblum's like, oh, and they they keep making them bigger, like like it's like nature Jesus. still finds a way. Yeah, and it, and it's like <laughs> and and the fucking dinosaurs are all gonna be CGI. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's all new franchise stuff is. I it's love like, that you just talked yourself out of it. I want to go see it. I don't give a fuck. I want to go to the movies every single day for the rest of my life. It's the summertime. Do that. It's I- air conditioned. You just go in the goddamn movie theater and you get mad. You know what I'm saying? Sit down yeah. in a dark room and get angry. Wait a minute. I'm having a weird thought here that if you're going to watch a double feature with Crimes of the Future and you could have some random selection of your choice and it wouldn't have to be a new movie. I think it would make a weirdly good double feature with Godzilla vs. Hedorah and the like weird plastic ah, pollution oh themes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Can you imagine watching Godzilla vs. Hedorah where at the end they're fighting on the mountain and all the hippies run up to Hedorah and start eating him alive? Yeah. <laughs> Yo, the thing is though, is that Godzilla vs. Hedorah is probably the most body horror Godzilla movie there Far is. away, yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. It is the body horror Godzilla movie. See? I'm not totally crazy. No, you're not crazy not about at all. this thing. All right, so you said you're going to go to the movies tonight to see Top uh, to see uh, Jurassic Park Seven. Jurassic Gun. Jurassic. Gun. Let's see Top then. Dude. I guess Godzilla vs. Biollante's body art too, because it's him fighting the plant version yeah. of himself. Yeah. Yep. Okay, sorry. I just, yeah, just that was running through my brain. Can we please do another kaiju episode soon? Hell yeah. Thank Are you looking at me? Yeah, we do anything you want. Oh. I just got that on air. Yeah, that, that live. Thing, Here's the thing, though, is that like when we get around to oh doing my God. it, that's the we'll we'll see. What I said happens. soon. Let's see what happens. Soon, yeah. yeah. Right now, it's Morbius time. Yeah, it's time for Morbius. <laughs> All right, good night, everybody. Bye. See you, Morbs. <laughs> oh my God, I think the idea of like going to the movie theater and telling you that we're seeing Jurassic World. And, getting more. and just like morbid out or, or fucking Top Gun and be like, damn, the trailer for Top Gun's really like fucking going really on long. for a long time. <laughs> you know? Wow, weird that they put the whole intro sequence into this trailer. <laughs>